Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Audio Creator School. Today we are talking to Jeremy Ans, who is the founder of Counterweight Creative and the Podcast Marketing Academy. So Jeremy is a seasoned podcast producer and marketer. So today we are going to pick his brain to talk about how podcasting can help your creator career. So Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Natasha. I am really excited to be here. Yeah, so can you tell us a bit about your journey? You know, how did you get into podcasting? Yeah, so I、uh, kind of came into podcasting as a listener, and、uh, I was discovered podcasting back in 2015. And so, for a lot of people, it's funny now that we're you know recording this in 2021, and a lot of people I talk to now say like, "Oh, you've been in it like since the start," and I. At the time when I first got into podcasting, I was like, "Oh, I can't believe it's taken me this long to find out about this. I feel late to it." And so we've kind of like reached an, another level of, of podcasting kind of、uh, popularity. And so now it, it kind of does feel like, "Oh yeah, I've been in here a lot longer than than most people." But、uh, came in as a listener then, and I really.、Um, The first shows that I listened to were all about building an online business, and so、mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I discovered podcasting, that was my first search. And I was really looking to—I'd done a bunch of traveling already, and I, I realized that, like, oh, there's this whole online business thing out there that, you know, if I set something up, I could travel full time, work from anywhere in the world, and do that whole, you know,、uh, digital nomad, remote working thing before、uh, 2020 happened, and that became more accessible to a lot of people.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I came in as a listener then, and. I was experimenting with a whole bunch of different online business ideas for the first, you know, six to nine months, and it was about in that range there, six to nine months, where I realized I had actually been to school、um, as an audio engineer, but had kind of dropped out of that、uh, years before, and realized like, oh, I could actually help a lot of people with podcasting. The whole sound editing and production side of things is, you know, if you've been trained to to operate a big studio. Podcasts are are really easy, and so I think it was within three days of having that idea, I got my first client, and within six months had enough clients to quit my day job, and was、uh, basically off, and then also traveling、uh, the world within you know two weeks of of going full time on the podcast、uh, editing stuff. And so now here we are, over five years later, and I built a, a team. We have an agency that helps with podcast production and development and marketing and all that kind of stuff, and has now also、uh, spun off into the course that you mentioned, Podcast Marketing Academy. That's so fascinating. You know,、um, a lot of people are interested in podcasting, podcasting, but you know, I haven't met that many people that devote、uh, their whole life, full time job, as a you know, podcaster and a pro- podcast producer. So I'm curious to know, like, how do you see this space has changed over the time that you're in the space since 2015? Because a lot has changed. Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing is just how much more crowded it's got and how much noisier. And I think that, especially like I know for me that the big thing, the reason that I started Podcast Marketing Academy is because we had all our clients, and I would look at our client shows and I'd be like, okay, they sound the, the production quality is the same, the content is good on both, you know, show A and show B, but why is show A growing really consistently and show B is just plateaued? Like there's 
got to be some difference here with the marketing or, or something's going on. What are they doing? And so I just got really curious about this question of like, okay, why, why are some shows, we have some clients who have millions of downloads and some who really struggle with really great shows to get, you know, just a, a few thousand downloads. And so I was like, what, what is going on here? And one of the first things I realized was all our shows who were just having continued really uh, quick, fast growth had started way back in, you know, either early 2010s or, or mid 2010s kind of. And a lot of the shows that were struggling to grow, even though they had fantastic content, were our newer clients a lot of times. And uh, if they didn't, if they weren't bringing an audience that they'd already built up with them, they were, you know, putting out amazing podcasts and just really needing to, to put in a lot of extra work marketing. And so I think that that's the huge shift that's happened where if you started a show in 2015, you could probably not do very much marketing at all and you would just grow organically. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people who are starting today look at older shows like that and we're, and they think like, that's just how it works. I'll just start a show and people will find me in, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. And it just does not work at all like that anymore. And so I, I think my big takeaway from, from that shift is that podcasting used to be a great discovery tool. And now it's a really great nurturing and trust building tool. And I think it does that better than, than most other platforms, but you need to find other ways to then get that attention uh, and pull them into your podcast. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, five years ago, maybe you look at even the niches that you talked about, like online marketing, like people start a show and do a daily yeah. show. And if they put in a work, they build an audience. It's not really that hard. But today you do an online marketing show. Well, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> uh, so, but that, that's something that you brought up that's interesting. You said previously podcasting was more of a discovery tool, but now it's more of a audience nurturing tool. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that most people, you know, who are listening to this, most of us as creators or business owners, like the, the goal, one of the reasons why we're doing our shows is to make money at some point to support our businesses, whether that's through clients or product sales or, you know, whatever we do sponsorships, like there's some kind of uh, conversion that happens at some point with our listeners, hopefully not all of them, but you know, hopefully enough of those are that they can support our businesses. And so I think that when you're looking at your business as a whole, there are, you know, your, your whole marketing system, there are a few different chunks that you kind of need to have in place. And so I think at, there's the awareness piece, which is people need to find out about you. But even once they find out about you, most people are not going to buy. And so in that, that middle section of the funnel, if we're breaking it down into a really, really basic funnel, uh, after awareness, then there's like what I consider the trust building section. And so, uh, or, you know, a lot of people would call that nurturing as well. And so I think that's where the podcast just really shines, unlike almost any other medium. And I think that's, you, there's just uh, such an intimacy with listening to someone and, and their voice and the nuance in that, that is hard to, to get out of writing and like I'm a writer and so I do a lot more writing than I do podcasting and I think I'm pretty good and I, I knowing that that's one of writing's limitations I try to put more of myself and my personality into it but it's still yeah I, one of the things I think about all the time is like I know that you know my voice and, and connecting with people through that like that just there's some magic to it that writing is, is hard to do. And you, you know, video is another option, but the, the production quality that you, you need to have in order to hold attention and everything with video is it's a, a pretty high bar to be able to meet that. And so I think podcasting is in this really sweet area there where the, the production kind of expertise and gear and everything like that, it's not too expensive. It's not too hard to learn. And so that's a, a great way to be able to create that content. And then also it's just like the nature of podcasting where 
you know, there are certainly are shows and I, uh, that are short. And I think that we're actually seeing a lot more short form audio is emerging. Um, some there's like tools like racket and some others out there that are um, kind of limiting, compressing down the, the time scale and putting some constraints on it, which I think will open up interesting things. But, you know, most people's shows are probably 30 to 60 minutes. And that's a lot of time to spend listening with someone if you're doing that every week. And uh, so I think that it's just the nature of the, the medium that it's more nuanced, in-depth conversations, you really get to understand how the host and the guests think. And so I think that that's one of the things that YouTube videos are so like quick cut, like keeping the pace moving, writing, and a lot of people don't have the uh, maybe time or, or uh, attention span to, to read through a 20 minute long article or something like that to get to really know the author. And so I think podcasting just exists in this place where just because of all these kind of like happenstance circumstances around it, it is really great at getting to know a host and building trust uh, with the listener. Yeah, that's a very good point. So it's like a relatively cost effective way to nurture trust. And it does better than just a writing and word text mm -hmm. on paper. So, but, you know, obviously there are a lot of interview podcasts out there. I think that's the dominant genre, right? So just to be the devil's advocate, uh, I, I think a while ago, I, I actually wrote an article uh, telling people why you don't want to do an interview podcast. Because again, it's just so much competition out there. Like what exactly do you get by interviewing people and interviewing whom? I mean, if you can, you, you get Joe Biden on your show. Yeah, great for you. Um, if it's just the average, uh, who knows, uh, you know, uh, that nobody knows that the kind of the guest, like, what do you exactly get out of this? So is there a value still in doing these uh, interview podcasts in your view? Yeah, I mean, I think this just so much goes back to your, the, sh the show that you want to create, what are you actually excited to do? And I think this is one of the first things to think about is uh, podcasting is going to take a long time to be successful for you. <laughs> Almost for everybody listening, like there'll be, you know, a handful of people who will, you know, hit on a show that takes off immediately. Most people, it's going to take, you know, one or two years of investment yeah, before well it's really... Yeah, but that's 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 the same for every media. Like, uh, have no right. illusion. A podcast takes a long time, but writing, video, the same. Yes, and that's yeah, that's very true. And so I think if you're going to do any content, keep that in mind. But I, I think the thing that I it comes back to for me, knowing that, like, I think you need to be excited about the show because I've started a show in the past where I was like, this is a great strategy. It's going to help the business. And six months later, I quit it because I realized. I don't, I don't like this format. Uh, this isn't the show I want to create. And it was like a great strategy and it was already starting to work. But I was like, I can't do this for two years. Like I, I'm, a, it feels like a chore every week I'm doing it. And I, that's even with the support of my production team and everything. And so I think that that's where, when you're going into it, it's like, what do you personally want to get out of it? Even if, even if nobody ever listens, what would still make it worth it for you to do? And so I think that that's sometimes where interviewing can be a huge value, where if you want to have an excuse to reach out to people and have conversations with them, that would be hard to just set up to get a, a slot on their Zoom calendar uh, elsewhere, that that's a great way to do it. And if there's certain things that you you know, are interested in exploring more. I think this is one of the benefits for authors, uh, which I know there's a lot of people in your audience where there's people like, I know Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Seth Godin's isn't an interview show, but um, Tim Ferriss has done this as well, where they basically like 
written their next books through the podcast. They've done all the research, interviewed all their sources and everything through the podcast and shared bits and pieces of those that then made it into their next books. And so it's kind of a way to like, you have that idea about the next thing you want to work on and you can use the podcast as a way to kind of like build in public as you work up to that book. And so I think that that's a, a really interesting opportunity for authors in particular, but anybody else as well. And so I think that if, if learning personally is uh, one of the reasons you're doing the show, then interviews are, are going to be great. I think the, the one of the downsides of interviews, and we've had some clients struggle with this, and this is more for, I think, coaches and consultants sometimes can fall into this trap where you want to come across as the expert, but if you put too much focus on the guests, sometimes you just like kind of sink into the background and people like all go to your guest stuff and they like buy their courses and sign up for their programs. And you're kind of like stuck and wondering, you could just get frustrated with it. And so I think there's ways to, to get around that, to work in more uh, segments of the show or do, you know, alternate solo episodes with interviews to kind of showcase your expertise. Um, But I I think that that is something to be aware of that that can be a a bit of a, a danger if you, um, if you go too far into that interview side where you're really just focusing everything on the guest. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really good advice for people who are, you know, experts or consultant or trainers, and you want to build a reputation as a expert or, you know, you're in any kind of nonfiction genre, uh, marketing business, you know, uh, enterprise, uh, uh, you know, services, that kind of uh, niche. Um, this is probably something like starting a podcast, whether you have an existing audience base or not, that is something that is worth considering. But how about for people who are fiction authors? Do you think there is a value or it's just a a waste of time? No, it's interesting. I've heard, um, I can't remember his name. I remember listening to him on another podcast, but basically he was a, a writer, a fiction writer who had written a whole bunch of short stories and had not had, he, he like had some success. He was a great writer, but hadn't like been able to really make a full-time living off of them or anything. And it was actually when he started the podcast that the podcast picked up steam and actually turned into the vehicle for people to discover his writing through that. And I, I think, well, it's worth caveating that and saying that I think he started earlier on when there was less competition. So it's kind of that same thing we were talking about that it, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to anyone, like, just because you're a, a great writer, you turn into a podcast and all of a sudden everybody knows about it. But I think that there's also podcasting is kind of shifting from this expert interview. Like that was the primary form of content for, you know, it's first 10 or 15 years almost. And I think we're, there's now a huge investment and interest and growing audience base for people who are more interested in the entertainment side of things and fiction. And so I think it's a good time to, to actually be experimenting with audio. And uh, I know another couple of people as well who they're just, you know, they, they write for themselves really, and they do short stories, fiction. And it's the same kind of thing where the podcast offers kind of a different way for people to find out about their work, but also a different way to express it. And I think that depending on, you know, how comfortable you get with production, um, you can really elevate the story through music and sound design and all that kind of stuff, which, I mean, that can, that's a rabbit hole that can take a lot of time, but it can also create this really unique experience that the writing alone isn't going to deliver. And so, you know, we, we've all like watched movies where the, the soundtrack in just the right place elevates everything and, and pumps it up. And so you can kind of play with some of those elements as well to offer up, I, I guess, just a, a more nuanced experience to the, the story or the piece of writing. Yeah, so um, I, I think, you know, some, some people, I agree with you, some people uh, who are fiction authors did actually make a name of themselves 
doing other things. Uh, my the, the the example came to mind for me would be John Green. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know who wrote the the Faults in Our Stars. Um, yeah. So he had a very popular YouTube channel, but it's not about fiction uh, most of the time. But mm-hmm. that, that's actually how he sold his fiction books. So uh, that's not exactly a podcast, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good analogy. And then there are authors um, like uh, Mark Dawson, uh, who's also a you know, famous writer coach um, but I would consider he, he, he's more like a crossover example between the expert niche and the fiction author niche. So, um, and I know that, well, there are some, some, some examples of uh, our own uh, customers, uh, you know, who are fiction authors, but who put out their own work, like chapter, uh, you know, excerpts in audio format and uh, put them out as a uh, podcast. And that, that's, that's a way to you know, leverage uh, a little bit of podcasting power. Um, because keep in mind, you know, uh, also it, I, I think it depends on what kind of like customers uh, you're targeting. Because I know like these days, really a lot of authors, um, we make most of the income through audiobooks because that's the higher mm-hmm. margin product compared to print books or ebooks. So if you're doing a podcast, you know, people who are listening to podcasts also, you know, tend to be the people who listen to audiobooks. So it may be a there may be some synergy there for you to find a um, audience base that that has affinity with the audio format already. So um, but let's say uh, someone wants to consider starting a podcast now. Uh, how should they think about this? Like, uh, well, I, I already have a podcast. So I don't need another one, but let's say <laughs> today I'm starting to think, okay, if, if I should start a podcast and I, you know, uh, like what are, the, what are the considerations that, that I should have in, in going through that decision-making? Yeah, I, I think, that there's, everybody wants to skip to the technical stuff and they worry about the mic that they're gonna buy and the recording software and like, how do I get it uploaded to Apple Podcasts and my hosting and all that that kind of stuff that people like always focus on that stuff. And I think that that can be confusing, but it's like the final like 5% that it's important, but don't worry about it. Spend all of your attention uh, earlier on, on the kind of idea behind the show. And I think that that comes down to partly kind of what we were talking about of like, you know, where does this fit in your business? If for a lot of people now, if they're like, I need to more people to find me and I already have like a newsletter or a blog or something, which, where, which is where I nurture them. I usually tell them like, okay, po- podcasting probably is not the best use of your time. If, if you actually need awareness, maybe look at some other options instead of podcasting. And so I think if you're someone who is getting, you know, awareness to people and you need a place to kind of build that relationship with them so that when you release your next book or your next product or course or whatever that is, or you just have an ongoing, you know, evergreen course or, or clients that you um, intake, then that's a, a great place for, for podcasting to exist in your business. So I think partly it's first assessing like, is this a good fit for the goals I'm going for? And then I think secondly, it's going back to like, okay, as I'm thinking about creating the show, knowing that this is going to take years of my time, like, how can I make this something that I'm actually going to enjoy? And it, it 
it's definitely doable. I think that usually that's another thing I tell people, like if you're just doing this as a tool, like you're not going to actually enjoy it. I don't think you're going to see success with it. And like most of our clients, like they, they almost always say the same thing. They're like, this is one of the most fun things I ever do in my week. in my business is like the interviews are like the thing that bring me joy in my business. And so I think those are the people who are often successful because they like bring that energy to the shows, whether that's hosted or, um, interviews or just uh, solo hosted, whatever that is, uh, and they're able to stick with it for a long time. And so I think that kind of energy comes through the, to the listeners as well. And so I think those are the, the first two kind of things to start thinking about. And then the third one is, is really around like differentiation. And so we talked about how it's just so much more crowded these days. There's so much more noise. And so I think we didn't really need to do this in the past with podcasts, but today you, you just need to be aware of like what already exists out there. And I know that, you know, I, I fall into this trap as well. I think everybody does. You start looking at your competition, you start feeling inadequate, you feel imposter syndrome. And I think that that's something that you kind of just have to push through at the start and just be like, okay, is, is it a better option to ignore all that, spend a year producing a show that's almost exactly the same as 10 other shows and not build an audience around it? Like, I think I would rather like push through that discomfort up front and see like, okay, people are all doing shows like this. Where's my opportunity to create something a little bit different? Maybe it's, you know, a, a longer show. Maybe all the shows in my uh, niche are like 20 minutes long. And I'm going to do a, a seriously like in-depth 60 minute or 90 minute show that really goes deep. Or maybe it's the opposite where there's a lot of like 30 to 60 minute shows. And you're like, I'm going to deliver five minute episodes every weekday on, you know, this topic and pr provide a kind of different option than what's available. Uh, it could be related to topic or audience or any of that kind of stuff, but looking at like what, which segment isn't being addressed here and, and looking at that kind of positioning. And I think that that's something that feels like, uh, it, it just feels frustrating and it feels like there's, we just want like the right answer to somebody to just tell us like, okay, create your show like this, like this, like this, whatever, and you'll be done. And I think that it's going to be different for every single person in seeing like, you know, what, what exists in your niche and where are the opportunities to create something unique. Um, and, and the one other thing that I think is helpful thinking about that differentiation is the idea, I call it um, like getting clear on your show concept. And so this is kind of like the it's this intersection of the audience you address, uh, the content you talk about and the way you present it. And so when we're talking about like there being so many interview shows that are so similar, I don't think that means that there's not opportunity to grow an engaging interview show. And I, I think you just have to get uh, creative with how you approach the format and the topic and the audience. And so the one that comes to mind for me immediately uh, is my go-to example when talking about a show concept that's interesting and unique is the YouTube show Hot Ones. And so I don't know if you've uh, watched this, this show, Natasha. No, but I do not. It's, okay, so it, it interviews, um, the, the host interviews celebrity guests. And so these are people who have been interviewed hundreds or thousands of times and they've probably given the same questions to you know the same or the same answers to the same questions in in almost every interview and so i think there's a high bar for being able to get something interesting out of them and that's a that's a hard kind of niche to compete in um and so basically how the show works to kind of introduce a different element is the host has a series of uh five i think it's five hot wings and each of them is progressively hotter hot sauce on the hot wings and so mm -hmm. They'll like eat, eat a wing together and there'll be a question associated with that. And as it gets to the hottest wing, they're like sweating and like, it's seriously like insanely hot. So there's this entertainment value, but it also provides this really interesting way to connect with the person and kind of humanize them. 
and yes. you kind of get way different responses than you would in a standard back and forth interview because there's this whole other element that's been thrown in. And so I think thinking about like, how can I get creative with the way that I present the show, the questions that I ask, what it's framed around. Um, I know there's another show that's in a similar kind of interesting concept. Uh, I think it's called Three Books with uh, Neil Parisha. And basically he asks each of his guests uh, what their, I, I think it's like three favorite books are or three most impactful books. And so they talk about a lot of the same stuff that might come up in another interview, but it's all through this lens of books and it's, it's for book lovers and it's interviewing authors. And so it's, um, it's a, a different take. He's not asking the same questions that, that every other interviewer is asking. It's a very unique thing to him. And so I think thinking about, you know, if I'm going to do an interview show, how can I frame this in a unique way that nobody else is doing? And that's often by like putting serious constraints on the, the interview. Yeah, that that's that's I think that that's a very insightful point, especially you know for people who are just in, starting out. You don't have celebrity guests, right? Yeah. You don't have all the you don't have the budget to actually do the logistics of uh, you know send people a bucket of hot wings and yeah. <laughs> let them taste uh, on every show and, and and all that. You know, it's a really good idea, but it's also an expensive idea. But you need to think about you know uh, if you're just starting out. Uh, you don't have celebrity guests, but what what kind mm -hmm. of interesting angle you can make of, of your you know average Joe uh, guest, I guess. So yeah. um, so 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 in in that in that respect, if I hear you uh, correctly, um, you're saying that basically podcasting is no longer a good top of the funnel tool. It's not going to oh I have zero audience today and I do a podcasting and. I will have like a hundred thousand tomorrow. No, so uh, so so you you've you've got to solve that top of funnel puzzle elsewhere, and I assume for most people it, it will be you know from from one of the those larger platforms of social media uh, these days, because um, SEO is also very hard these days. <laughs> so so but but. But for podcasting, it's, it's a tool for people to get to know you, to get to trust you, to see maybe a different side of you, to build a relationship, right? So, so I, think, I think that in that respect, you, you, that's, a, that's something you should, like people should consider, like does podcasting solve a problem for you? Do you have a audience retention problem? Uh, it, I think that, that that's that's something to think about, right? If if you have like a, a lot of people visiting your websites or visiting your social media uh, social media pages, but they don't have much interaction with you, or you don't get a, like a lot of takers on actually selling products to however big number of social media following you have, then maybe you have a retention problem, and then maybe podcasting can be a tool of addressing that. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And, you know, to, I just want to go back and say, like, it's not that people will not find you through podcasting, like people will find you through podcasting. It's just not going to be like this windfall of people within your first six months, you're going to have thousands of followers now and diehard fans. I think that it's, it's just, you have to be prepared for a longer, slower kind of growth and also be willing to put in the work getting exposure elsewhere. Like that's the, the fastest way to grow your audience. But I think one of the great things, I mean, this is true for almost anything, for products, for companies, for blogs, podcasts, newsletters, is that most things still grow by word of mouth. And so I think one of the great things about podcasting is that the people who come back every single week and like listen through your whole back catalog, 
they're probably talking about your show if they like it that much. And it, podcasting, like it, it's, I think it's harder to get that kind of like diehard level of, of fandom for a blog than it is for a podcast for kind of all those reasons we talked about earlier, where it is just that, that intimate setting where you really build that connection with the host and feel like you know them. And so I know there are a handful of shows that I tell every time I see anyone who I'm, is even like a little bit, I think that they would be a good fit for the show. I tell them about it like a hundred times. And I'm like, you haven't listened to the show yet. Like it's perfect for you. You got to listen to it. And that's a very like podcast listener type attitude. And so I think there, there is this slow virality almost element to it. It's just not going to happen all at once. But over time, you get 100 people like that talking about your show and spreading the word for you. And that's going to result in big, uh, big growth for you. Yeah, I think that's very true. And also, uh, in terms of the audience stickiness, the intimacy part, right? So you, you, you compare this with blogging. And that's also true for me, because um, uh, when I when when I read an article, it's usually on the computer, right? So when I listen to podcasts, it's on the phone. I'm out out there, you know, running or doing something else, and it's it's with me. It's a companion. It's so much more intimate, and it's like uh, right within reach. And I, you know, I put out my phone and I see the podcast hosts. Yep. So it's it's a lot more intimate compared to a newsletter, or even compared to YouTube. I would say. Yes, you can yeah. watch YouTube videos on your phone too, but I don't know what is it like. Oh, there is a difference there. Somehow the podcast is a more intimate thing. I yeah, I, I've wondered about that as well, and I think YouTube is like like good YouTube channels are very highly produced. There's like the lighting and there's the, the, like it's edited very tightly. And so I think that that sends a signal that it's not quite authentic. It's mm -hmm. like the, there's pieces that have been cut out. I'm not getting the full story. And I think podcasting, like a lot of really good podcasts are, might be like a four hour conversation cut down to a 45 minute episode from like, you know, really high end studios and stuff like that. I've, I've heard many stories of that. But you don't notice that as a listener. Like if it's, it's been edited well, it feels seamless and it feels like you're just getting to sit in on this great conversation that there's no there's no editing, there's no um, kind of stuff being cut out. It feels like you're getting the whole kind of truth of the conversation. And so I think that's where that kind of subtle intimacy comes from that isn't there in YouTube. Yeah, so what you said about the feeling of authenticity, right? So um, this is also related to what you talked about like maybe five minutes ago. Uh, you said, okay, don't worry about editing. But here, here's something else. It's actually, you really should, I, I, I wouldn't say go so far as say, uh, don't, don't worry about editing, don't edit at all. But the thing is, this is something uh, you see on social media these days. Like people sometimes like deliberately put in typos in their tweets or something hmm. um, to, 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 to give off this vibe of being cash. Right. So I, I think this is also related to maybe you need to think about what's your what's your target cost, what's your target audience. I would say the younger crowd, right? You you can you can get away with the whole lot. <laughs> you yeah. can have your you can have your you know cell phone dinging or, or some background noise, baby crying in the background. Like I I actually you know I hear a lot of podcasts these days are like that. But somehow it does not distract from the value if the substance is good. And it actually make you make you sound like more of a human being. Yeah. And I think there's definitely like a line to straddle there where I wouldn't get like obsessive over it. You don't need to like rent out a studio or anything like that. It doesn't need to be absolute perfection. Um, but I think that 
too low a production quality does send a signal that you're not serious about the show. And so if you're recording on just, you know, your computer mic or an iPhone, um, your AirPods mic or something like that, and it doesn't sound that great. I think that there is a subtle signal that people take away from it. They're not even aware of it, that it's like, oh, this isn't a professional show. Right. And I don't think you need to be, you know, 100% professional. We, we can't compete budget-wise with the big studios and, uh, you know, all, all of these uh, agencies out there. But I think like that's one of the things we talked about that podcasting is so accessible that you know you can spend a hundred dollars on a microphone and you'll sound great and like that's good enough. And I, I think this also extends into the editing, where if there are sections of dead air or like you know big a coughing fit or something like that, like I would you want to edit those things out. But I don't think you need to edit out edit out every single like um and uh and all those things. Uh, and so it's about finding that balance of like what sounds natural and real. And also respecting the listener's time and saying like, okay, if there's 20 minutes of stuff that isn't really relevant to this episode, and it's not serving the purpose of this episode in particular, let's cut that out. And so that, you know, the listeners walk away from this feeling like they got such an amazing amount of value for their time investment, uh, rather than having to sit through something and it kind of waters it down. Yes, I agree. Yes, it's a fine balance. So yeah. we talk about podcasting, maybe not the best top of funnel tool, but still, you know, you put out a show, you want to market it, you want people to know. Mm-hmm. So what are the marketing recommendations that you have for, for, for a new show? Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, when I think about marketing, it's really starting from the foundation. So I think that differentiation and positioning and show concept are like, that's at the heart of all your marketing is that if you don't have something that's unique, that when somebody hears about it, they're actually immediately interested in it. And so this, of course, like encompasses your messaging and how you talk about it as well. That's going to be a problem. And there's almost nothing you can do if you don't have an interesting product that is compelling to people, no matter how much attention you get on it, people aren't going to listen. And so I think that's one of the areas where people have not done the foundational work and they just want to skip to, you know, buying Facebook ads or whatever to get eyes on it. And it just never works that way. If you've done that and you have a show that is unique um, and is, is already growing, even if that's really slowly um, and you're getting good feedback from people, then I think it's time to look at starting to scale that up. And so I think that a lot of, uh, usually what I recommend is looking for you know other people who have audiences all, already and looking to collaborate with them in some way. And so that might be other podcasters who you might do like a promo swap where you each run like you know a mid-roll ad for each other's shows uh, for, it might be just one week or you might do it over a series of weeks. Um, those can work really, really well. We've seen some of our clients have almost doubled their audiences by having really well chosen uh, partnerships in that way. So how do you find uh, those? Be... Yeah. So I usually think about this as looking at um, audiences that are complementary is how I think about it or complementary or adjacent. And so you have like something in common about both of your shows and your audiences, but you don't hundred percent overlap. So if I am talking about, you know, podcast, let's just say podcasting in general, I'm not going to go to another person who also teaches podcasting and look to collaborate with them. I mean, that might work, but a lot of times people can be a little bit protective of their audiences. And so they, you get a lot of like rejections if you try that. Whereas if I just go to someone who talks more about generally like business marketing, like marketing an online business, and I say like, hey, I know you don't talk much about podcasting. I would love to come in and um, either do like a workshop for your audience or, you know, guest on your show and you guest on mine, or we'll just do a promo swap and I'll tell my audience about, you know, I don't talk about the business side of things, or maybe they do like uh, SEO, maybe they're an SEO expert. And I say like, okay, if you want to learn about SEO, that's an important part of growing a podcast as well over the long term go to this show. It's, you know, my favorite show on the topic and they do an ad 
pointing their people who are interested in podcasting to me. And so I think it's thinking about those, those places where like, okay, my listeners, like I talk to them about this one thing, but what else are they interested in? Or what else do they need to be successful in their larger goal? Because I think, you know, any of any of us, whatever we do, we're playing one small part in our listeners journey, like they're trying to get somewhere and we can help them with a part of that, but we can't help them with all of it. And so I think it's understanding like, what are your listeners trying to do beyond why they're interacting with you? And then what are the other pieces on that journey? And then finding people who kind of address those needs and saying like, hey, we're kind of both helping the same people achieve the same goal. Let's team up and we'll be able to like help each other out as well. Yeah, or you can even do a survey of your existing audience. Just tell, mm-hmm. just ask them what 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 other stuff they listen to. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really good one. And I recommend doing that like twice a year, doing an audience survey and seeing, you know, what uh, th- this is even really valuable finding out like why they like your show. What, because a lot of times we think it's one thing that we're giving people and there's something else entirely that they're taking away. And once we know that we can lean into that more and be more intentional about that. And so one of the things that I'll often ask uh, in surveys is, you know, what do you get from this? For, for me, it's my newsletter. I say, what do you get from my newsletter that you don't get easily anywhere else? And I, sometimes I don't know what that is. Like, I'm just writing what comes to me and what I feel is important to the, for, for people who I'm addressing. But a lot of times they'll say things back in the surveys that I'm like, huh, I, nev- I never would have thought about that. Mm-hmm. And so then you can kind of lean more into that and they like it even more and talk about it more. And over time, uh, you can grow your audience that way as well. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. And uh, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Yeah, so you can just head to counterweightcreative.co, uh, not com, that's .co slash Jeremy. And uh, I've got a, a landing page set up there with all the links to find me on social. Uh, I've got a handful of uh, free offers and some paid products related to podcasting. So if you're looking for any tips on getting sponsors for a show or growing your audience through guesting on other shows, which we kind of just touched on here, I've got two free mini courses um, for each of those. So those are great places to start. And uh, I'm on, on Twitter most, uh, most commonly at I am Jeremy Ends. And so that's all that information is at counterweightcreative.co slash Jeremy. Yeah. Or you can just Google Jeremy Ants online. It's very easy to hide. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I had a great time talking to you and uh, wish you the best. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast.